Alright, welcome back everyone to episode 4 of the Precision Unloaded podcast, hosted by Taranaki Long Range Shooting. Sorry for the hiatus, um, we've all been a bit busy with um, work and calves and all that other boring stuff that's got nothing to do with firearms. Um, I'm here with Mark again. Um, say hello Mark. Welcome Graham. It's good It's good to be back behind the microphone. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so who, who's sponsoring us today Mark? Who's sponsoring uh, this episode? Well... Luckily, International Harvest has come to the party. Oh, yeah, so they've got a brand new um, range of M1 Garands um, for sale. Um, yeah, if you Google that, you might learn something. Anyway, so what's been going on, Mark? What have you been up to in the last uh, Well, last um, being our election special, <coughs> oh, that's right, we don't do politics. No so politics. That's for the next <laughs> podcast. Um, well, this week, well, this month, probably in guns almost, since we last talked, um, pretty much been focusing on my... Sorting out my 224 Valkyrie <coughs> and its shooting uh, problems, which we'll go into in some depth later on, which may interest some people. But uh, also, uh, we had the Tokoroa event, I think, when we recorded last time. It was the day before. Yeah. So we're going to cover off that today. Um, and guns, pretty much I've done a wee bit of reloading this month for a friend, a single rem mag. So did du- dusted off all the gear. Uh Apart from the initial start, when he said his dies were already set, and it sort of partly crushed around to look like a actually unimproved. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but we got there in the end, did about uh, a bit over 100 rounds for him. Uh, he went down south for a tar shoot, so, and said he got a couple of good ones at about 400 metres odd plus, 450. With your hand loads? Yeah. Wow. With my reloads. Well, you must be getting better. A world renowned for having the widest standard deviation of any reload ever done. <laughs> so, but now all the cleaning gear worked well. They, yeah. I can say the cases were clean, Graham. That was yeah, yeah your wife moaned about them all being on the table when I got here. And I snapped the spindle. I oh, think the decapping pin? Uh, yes. Yeah, oh, it happened. I hadn't used it for a while and I forgot that um, the answer is not more force when things aren't working. So is that your mate who we were shooting with a few months back? Yes. When we got abused by a lady down the road? Uh, that would be correct. Okay, cool. Sam. Oh, yeah. That's good it's working for him then. So, yeah. we <coughs> It's standard around here to get abused by people <laughs> down the road. Yeah. Uh, we so live and we learn. Yeah. So what else have we been doing? We, we did a bit of long-range 308 uh, a couple of weeks back, three weeks back. Yes. So um, you've been basically progressing, pushing the... Is it a 1500? How 1500? Most things are these days. Yeah, 308 and a panel wagon stock, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yep, the Boyd's at one. Yes. And uh, the beautiful uh, laminate, and it does look like an old car. So just for those who are new, what's on top of it? Uh, so yeah, it's a 26-inch barreled um, Howard 1500 and a Boyd's at one stock, and it's got a Bushnell 3 to 18 by 50 forge MOA uh, scope on it. Um, so we would... I'd only really shot it to a thousand, and then I thought I'd give twelve hundred a go, and that was <clears throat> relatively easy actually. And then, so we we were mucking around doing something one day, and we decided we'd stretch it out to fourteen. What did we end up? Fourteen fifty-four meters. Yeah. So the top um, of one hill, right across to the. Yeah. What we normally do is the one just over a K targets. Yeah, and it was good. It was um. Yeah, once we got the dope sorted, it was pretty straightforward. We could see the uh, we had the drone. 
hovering off, off to one side of the target, so we had a, a, a good live feed showing up on iPad, so Mark was able to give me um, corrections, although because <clears throat> we were shooting in the late evening, we had the sun right on the target, so you could actually see a lot of the, um, the dirt splash from the misses, um, even through the 18 time scope. So yeah, we, I was getting two to three out of 10, I think it was two, maybe two out of 10, I did two 10 round strings. So not setting the world on fire, um, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it was good, especially for a first time that far with that, uh, that setup. And I was having to use every inch of adjustment I had. I was maxed out, pretty much maxed out on my turret, and then I was using um, shivers, I think it's 30 MOA in the scope, so I was right down the bottom of the, um, of the, of the reticle, which made life interesting. Yeah, you were, when I got on it and had a shot, and, and you, you were right at the bottom of this basically scope, yeah. uh, looking through it, there was no more room to no. go before you disappeared. No, so what I could do is... Which made it very difficult to spot what yeah. you were doing. I could reduce the magnification, being a second focal plane scope, and gain a bit that way, but at the time, that's what we did and it worked. Um, but when I things dry out and I try to take it to a mile, I might have to change up the scope, or... Um, reduce magnification to gain extra minute so what's the rail it's just a 20, 20? minute of angle yeah I, sh- I could put some um, so side thing are people going to 30s now more often uh, not a lot for, for most everyday shooting um, a thousand meters and then you know realistic practical accuracy true 20 MOA is plenty in fact most of the new scopes coming out have actually got enough internal adjustment to be mounted on a zero MOA rail and still have enough elevation to a thousand metres um, yeah that but seems, if you are going to put a rail on put that, 20 that seems to have changed quite quick if I look back at one of my SIG Whiskey 5 5 to 25 scopes I think it's only got about 60 of adjustment yeah so say you lose half of that on a, on a yeah. zero MOA rail um, so the average 6.5 Creedmoor is like Top of my head, it's like 34, depending what load you have. Um, minutes of angle to get to a K. Yeah. Um, 308, my 308 anyway is, for, I'm cutting out here, is 40 MOA. Oh, what's my microphone doing? There you go. Um, yeah, it's 40 MOA to get my 308 to a K. Um, so if you only had a 60 MOA scope and mounted it um, without specialty rail you'd not have the elevation without using the reticle but again that's sort of that's not as big of an issue as it was five six years ago no most scopes now have 30 or 34 mil tubes mm. and they seem to be what at least 90 plus 100 moa yeah it seems to be pretty normal now to have yeah. 100 minute of adjustment which yeah. is nice yeah um, but it's still if, if i was putting a rail on i'd go to 20 um but again when you start shooting past the k that's when those things start to become a little bit more okay. relevant. So what were your thoughts on the 308 after that? Uh, <coughs> Much I, maligned and underappreciated? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe the 308 will catch on. Uh, no, well, it's got... It's, the 6.5 Creedmoor at a mile, for me anyway, was easier than the 308 at 14.50. Yeah. yeah. Albeit my load for the mile is <clears throat> with 6.5 is much more refined. Um but it's still doable. Um, You've been belting out 168 grain yep. reloads pretty much, really. Yeah, yeah 168 LDM. I really, I probably should be playing with a 175. Um, 
and I may still go down that route, but to be so honest, it's working pretty well. What was your velocity on that? Because it was a not particularly fast, like two no, seven, two seven with mate. a twenty six inch barrel. Oh, it is twenty six. Yeah, no. Okay. So I've I've actually been I've got a twenty six inch Creedmoor three hundred eight and six mil, all in those same barrel actions, because um, they're not used for anything sort of um, bush or or where I need a shorter rifle. So I got the longer barrel just to gain a little bit of that, uh, velocity, especially in the three hundred eight where. It's um, going pretty slow by the time it gets out past a thousand meters. But yeah. yeah, it was good fun, and um, it's always good when you have an idea on, on sort of taking a certain shot, and you've got an idea on how you're going to do it, and it works. Rather than a few years back, I'd just sort of belt fifty rounds down range and might get a hit past a K. But now I try and do like a ten round string, and maybe another ten round string, and if I'm not getting anything then something's wrong um, or, I have, or I'm not accurate enough or whatever the case may be So, and I've also bought the target size down we used to use a shit it must have been like a metre by a metre target or approximate but now we've gone to a 24 inch target um, at a mile <laughs> and the same thing for that 1400 so just smaller targets less rounds to try and be a bit more uh, precise I guess that's the, the aim of precision shooting. You know, you can see 100 rounds down range. Not just putting lead in the air and... Yeah. Oh, I hit it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, hey, that can be good sometimes for figuring out yeah. what's going on. But once you figure out what's going on, you should be able to repetitively hit it. But if you're only hitting one or two out of 50, it's not really that good. Is there any advantage to putting a massive steel back behind one of uh, those long targets? That you could then... Dis- well, you'll, you'll get a hit. <laughs> no, but I mean, to, to get a bit more accuracy on seeing um, where you're hitting. Uh, yes, but I mean the dirt... Because the dirt's obviously always on an angle, you see, so you have this whole... Yes. It may have been low, but God, yeah. how low was it? <clears throat> based yeah, on... exactly. Um, I, yeah, I guess there could be some advantage, but... That's... But we're refining, and that's what you're, basically what you're saying. A few years ago, you would have been, you know, wrapped at a thousand... Hmm getting a hit occasionally now it's like pfft, yeah well now thousand I want to be on like second shot yeah if not first shot yeah I mean that's I mean wind mostly but that's yeah um it's just holding yourself to a higher standard so you can get better rather than just being happy at mediocre be like no well, how can I do this better get that first round or second round impact on a smaller target or shoot an MOA size target rather than a 4 MOA size target and just little things like that but anyway we get, oh, we've been blabbing on about throughout for a while no that's right but it was also we segue into things and that was <laughs> yeah. this last month's been pretty good for shooting in terms of wind I mean it's we've had a lot of days up on the range where it's been very little wind so mm. it's been been good whereas I'm the opposite at the moment I've been trying to go out when it's windy <laughs> no because it's, it's a big hole in my skills is ah. wind and, and trying to figure wind um but so I'm I'm, get, I'm getting out when it's windy and rainy, and I'm going out there and I'm putting ten rand down at five hundred to six hundred meters, and just um, yeah, and, and trying to um, hit on the first shot rather than rather than not just more for well that's for hunting, but also for the upcoming competition. Um, okay, that, that are coming up. Anyway, right Enough about the old stinky three hundred eight. That's old and boring. The two two four Valkyrie. Yes, so I've probably talked about this a wee bit before, but basically it's a Savage 110 Prairie Hunter 224 Valkyrie that I got 
from the States, um, 24 inch barrel, and I had a SIG BDX scope on it for a little while at the start, just while I was mucking around, so that was fine, and when we started off I was using Hornady 60 grain VMAXs, which mm -hmm. put about three, was it 3,225 feet per second, uh, then we had some Hornady American Black, no, Hornady Black, Black yeah. which was 75 grain boat tail hollow point, so that was about 2,920 feet per second out of that barrel. Uh, and then, so that was probably what I was shooting early on, and had no problems accuracy-wise, sighted it in, we were pinging a spot on a hill 350 metres away, no problem, you know, so I thought that's great. Um, but we thought, right, let's, we've got to get hold of some of the, the longer loads, so the, these, the 224 is designed for shooting longer bullets, like the 90 grains or 88 grains, so federal, my previously beloved federal, <coughs> um, invented the round base, we will put it through Sami, so they put out um, a 90 grain uh, Sierra Match King round, the gold medal, gold medal match, yeah. So, and also a Fusion 90 grain, but I didn't order that initially. And they also had one other that I got hold of, and that skips my mind at the moment. Anyway, so the first time we got set up, I changed the scope over because I brought a Meopta 3 to 18 by 50, so that thought that'd be ideal scope to drop on it. So, and that's uh, I'll talk about that later, but I've been really pleased with that. Um, but as soon as we started shooting these 90 grain Sierra Match Kings, the accuracy just went out the window. Yeah, horrendous. Uh, <laughs> we were shooting at a 100 metre paper target, just to, and it would um, throw it two inches high and left, or suddenly the groups went from probably being, what we say, 0.75 MOA yeah. with the VMAX to... Um, yeah, basically two and a half, three inches probably. It mm. was just throwing, and then randomly throwing stuff left or right, or and it was just doing my head in because you know I'd got this ammo which I had assumed. So then I started doing some internet sleuthing, trying to work out what's going on because I heard the early batch of reamers they put out for that caliber were wrong, and there was too much free bore. I think. Um, but that didn't seem to be the problem. I even tried to get hold of Savage, but they just referred me back to their importer in New Zealand, so I thought that wasn't going to go far. Mm. Um, but then I did find out there were some problems with early loads that Federal put out. Some partial jacket separation or too thin a jacket on some of the rounds. But anyway, so we thought, okay, so I ordered some more Hornady ammo, so some 75 grain again, which I had hadn't really seen to have any problems with the Hornady Black, so sort of a middle of the range, and then they have an 88 grain ELDM round Yeah. so got some of that so then we went up to finally see if this thing was the, the barrel was just not right and then as soon as we put the Hornady ammo back in it, it was perfect yeah, yeah. so all of it, all three types of Hornady ammo shot lights out sub MOA, five shot, five shot groups too not three yeah. shots they were so and pretty consistent too on the labrador 
that blew me away. I was getting ready to throw it in the scrap heap, mm. uh, literally, and it um, the federal, yeah, it was intriguing. And then we even had some 90 grain federal fusion, we threw that in, and then it was shooting 200 feet per second faster than the 90 grain Sierra Match King, mm. so gold medal stuff, which was um, also a bit bizarre. And also we had signs of pressure in some of them. and All the Federal was hot, wasn't it? Yeah. All, every single one was hot. Uh, which was mm-hmm. intriguing. So then I thought, well, yeah, I get down my conspiracy theory hole where the Federal sent all the ammo that was complete crap early batches to New Zealand or something, I don't know. But, um, I mean, I, you know, I've really had no problems with Federal ammo in the past, so... It's, it's not as if that Federal, especially the gold medal match, it's not cheap ammo either. It's, it's, no. It's premium ammo. Um Hey, maybe it just doesn't like your particular setup. It's not as if we've got a big sample the size of 224s to put the ammo through. No, and a lot of the stuff I looked at online was pretty much because of the the Valkyries designed, obviously, to fit in an AR platform. Virtually a lot of the stuff, feedback-wise or information-wise, was all to do with AR platforms mm. and shorter barrels. Yeah. So there wasn't really much bolt-action or even 24-inch barrel use. On, some, on what you could find online so so no it's gone back to being shooting fine so now I'm just blasting my way through the remaining federal ammo yeah. on feral goats <clears throat> trying to get rid of it I mean that, that, that I took it out for a bit of a shoot the other day shooting some goats and that um, the 88 grain ELD match the sort of the white box <clears throat> yeah. white box match ammo shot excellent yeah um, uh, I sort of was I pushed my luck a little bit on the goats with the billies um, sort of distance wise but again it performed well um and there was a bunch of dead goats anyway but i, I like it it's the the, bolt, the gun's got a few little magazine flaws and the like um like most savages um, <laughs> just that that old uh, that old mag that they seem to press into service on most things yeah that's what my i've finally decided that steel mags unless they're in say in a, an expensive sarco or something you might as well just, just give up and go to polymer mags mm. for some of those smaller short actions. Yeah. So note to manufacturers because the steel mags <laughs> in this thing, the steel mag in this thing is is awesomely unreliable. Yeah. So, so if, if you run the bolt in a particular way, it seems to work. Yeah. But you can't just hammer it. But no. so if I give it to someone else to shoot. Yeah. Yeah, I'd hope that it would, and immediately as soon as someone new tries it, they get a jam up straight away. Yeah because I'm used to now running that. But, I, you know, ideally most guns, that shouldn't be an issue. Mm. You know, if you're going to make something that works, it should generally work pretty well, rather than popping rounds and jamming up. Yeah. Certainly on the longer, the 90-grain projectiles, 88-grains are a bit longer, and mm. they, they're just a fraction more inclined to block up, yeah. to jam up. But you definitely can't um, bag the accuracy. No, and I, yeah. It's a reminder of why, well, which we'll talk about later, people going into some of these smaller caliber long range stuff for competitions because, you, you know, I've shot 270s and 301 mags and even the Creeble, 6.5 Creeble quite a lot, but this thing, just the low recoil yeah. is, is awesome when you're doing repeat shots, especially on piece of control work and stuff. It's, it's like shooting a 22. Yeah. It's, the, it's actually that, yeah, you can watch... I was shooting shoot these, um, the, when I was shooting the goats with it, I could watch the bullet impact on the goat's shoulder yeah. and watch it ripple. 
which was quite neat. Whereas yeah. with bigger calibers, you might be able to sort of keep an eye on the target, but you definitely don't see that impact. Not not like I did anyway with the. Uh, and it's not as if it's a particularly heavy gun. It's not lightweight, but it's um it's just that little cartridge and little bullet. Yeah, it's, it's a wee bit front heavy. I'd simply say that. It's yeah. not, but it's sort of it's a heavy barreled gun, so it's designed for. Well, it's a prairie hunter, so you're yeah. lying out in the desert somewhere, shooting small critters. Yeah. So no, no. Um, it's just a really interesting exercise in how some ammo just shoots absolute rubbish out of a certain barrel. Something I'd really not encountered a lot. So. Mm. Yeah. But it's working now, and then um, yeah, the myoptoscope, which has now been on it for a while, I'm really pleased with that. The three to eighteen by fifty. Um, is it Optica? Yeah, Optica 6, I think they're called. Okay. Uh, the reticle, yeah, it's a hybrid. It's got a horseshoe in it, but because it's three power, you basically can't see any of the hash marks or anything. It's right down to being tiny. Can you see the, the little horseshoe? Yes, correct. Okay. That's pretty much... But that's why it's there. That's why it's there. Yeah. yeah. The horseshoe is real tiny at three power, but still that's mainly visible. And then obviously wound up at 18. That's how it's designed pretty much to be used most of the time that horseshoe does get out of the way I don't find it gets yeah. in the way it's, I, I think I was looking at it and I haven't confirmed it was looking at the online but it's spaced out to like 0.4 of a mil either side or something there is a measurement to it from yeah. what I could gather um, yeah. so you can use it to measure too yeah um, or, or wind, whole wind so for those, it's a, basically a half or three quarter circle around the centre dot that's the whole sort of horseshoe mm. shape so it, yeah which enables you to to basically low power short range stuff see what your where your crosshair is or your centre dot is so okay. is it illuminated yes okay so it really came to its own illuminated yeah but uh, unlike some of the higher end ones which illuminate the entire tree this only illuminates the centre dot <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. well it's not a 5000 volt scope no no but whereas my strike eagle 1 to 8 yeah. has a horseshoe type set up yeah you know and yes that, but and that's, that's a short range tactical scope too yeah yeah which are nice nice objects also yeah oh that's good it's working um but another uh, good value and it's a quite a large scope and i don't mind that the throw lever plenty of adjustment to it uh, yeah the yeah. throw lever can be um shifted to many any different points on on the actual ring so yeah. you can actually set it to an ideal position where we out of the way most of yeah. the time because if if you're at full magnification and the throw lever's in the way of your bolt you tend to hit it or you know okay with your hand anyway yeah. um so I like that feature that you can shift it to um, about four or five different positions, I think, on the ring. So, Who's selling the Meoptas? Uh, 556. Oh, Ken at 556, yeah. formerly NZR15. Yeah. Back in the old days before, you know, all that went down. Um, oh, yeah, cool. So they're, what did it roughly sting you? Uh, I think it was around 1500 Oh, that's pretty... pretty you, there's, so, a, yeah. there's a real good selection of scopes in that um, sub-$2,000 range now with sport for choice. Well, the glass is really good. I do. Yes. It's a. It's bloody nice to look through. I must say. Yeah. What? Uh, Main Czech Republic. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Eastern oh, cool. European. So, and then no, from what I've seen, from different trade show stuff and that, that's certainly got a good reputation. Yeah, I've used a few of their hunting optics yeah. over the years. Um, oh, no, this is the first tactical one I've sort of played with. But as we've been talking about, the trends going to probably these. 3 to 18 or 3 to 20 hopes are quite short now, but whereas the Meopter is quite still a very large scope, you know, yeah. what you'd say a full size. Lengthwise, yeah. I think the, the, the ones I'm seeing as the scopes get shorter and more compact seem to be the, 
the top tier um, yeah. sort of European or Japanese based scopes. Um, I guess it'll all trickle down eventually. No, yeah, and that's why we, we were looking at the Schmidt and Bender Exos EXOS, I think, mm. which is a three to twenty one power, yeah. which is coming. I think it's now available here uh, after being about a year ago or two, a year and a half. It came out in Europe, but um, they're about four and a half. Yeah, might be a little bit much. Slightly outside of my current <laughs> budget. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, obviously, the event world has been a bit flipped up and down by the COVID thing, but oh, we, had, yeah. we had the Tokoro 22 shoot. What um, an excellent event, wasn't it? Gillis Practical Rifle Events. Yep. Well done again. Um, I've never been there, so it's the first time I've been to a 22 shoot yeah. or that centre. So, very good firing line, all covered. Um, that was a nice change, isn't it? Yes. When it's shitty weather and you're undercover. Yeah. It was another excellent event by Simon and his old, old man. Um, very well run, well thought out stages, challenging. Um, great day, no complaints with the event. Um, even even that he ma- <clears throat> even though he made uh, us run a little bit further on the running stage. Um, yes, I do recall that all the cars were parked behind the um, firing line. And I said, where's the back mark you're supposed to run to? It can't be that over there because it looked like... I was way off in the distance, so you had to run from where you were shooting back to this thing. And normally it's like I don't know, ten meters, but I think yeah. this was probably forty. Yeah, I think we measured it was well, around thirty-nine meters yeah, or something. I mean, a major first-world problem, but yeah. <clears throat> for me, getting in my advanced years, it took me a, a wee way to get back again. Yeah. Yes. No, I, I was, I, I, I was a little bit shocked, and I had to confirm uh, where the point was. But it was fun, and we all had to run it just the same. Um, and I still managed to clear the stage, um, and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't easy either. So it was good. It should be a challenge. Um, so so being the first time you've been to uh, one of Simon's twenty two events, Tokara, what did you what what did you do well, and what would you do differently going next time? Uh, well, I learnt from the day from one of my squad mates not to use a borrowed gun that you've only just picked up on the day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. Nothing, <laughs> nothing like learning the <coughs> the quirks of a Lithgow twenty two yeah. um, over the series of the morning before finally mastering it by mid morning. Yes, second the, second side of the day he was on fire. He was going great, but <laughs> prior to that, it had the the typical, or well, I won't say boutique manufacturer, but some of the quirky magazine feeding issues and things which yeah. aren't ideal in 22 matches which often have very short times yeah. and one failure can or you know failure to fire or misfire you know whatever blockage can stuff up a stage quite quickly so for me um, the, obviously the know your limit stage yeah. I, I should have been more strategic rather than gung ho and I think I got up to the third or fourth target and then stuffed it up twice going for the next one yeah. and then by the time the time ran out I'd only hit the first target again so I cooked however many points there mm. so yeah I zeroed that too unfortunately yeah um, probably I mean I was in the hunter class so what most maximum 100 and yeah 100 odd metres yeah there was a couple out further I think than that um, I think what was the open class 200 200 metres yeah yeah so, no, um, I was pleased with the setup. I've just done a lot more practice since. So I was shooting an up Ruger Precision Rimfire 22, 
that I picked up secondhand and threw on a um, a Tango four six hour scope four yep. to sixteen, which I found pretty ideal magnification everything um, and range. It's got a reasonably basic tree rectical type setup, which is good. So it's pretty uncluttered, yeah, and not a big scope. So it's, I thought it was a, quite a good combination, and I'm happy with that as a setup. So, yeah. Um, obviously, the Ruger mags are good. I've got plenty of them, so didn't have any feeding problems much. Uh, I think I had a jam up at one stage. Um, on a stage with only about 20 seconds to, <laughs> to complete it, so that also was where I lost points. So, that was um. A good day all overall and actually really piqued my interest in 22 shooting because it's sort of just a these days a mini version of long range yeah definitely um in terms of your dialing and the distances the the hunter class was also stacked full of competitors wasn't it it was yeah from what yeah. people said normally the hunter class would be say i don't know a quarter of the competitors yeah. and it flipped around didn't it really yeah no it was massive which yeah. is cool a lot of new guys um, and it sold it, again. It sold out, um, and the match that was meant to happen this weekend, yeah, um, coming up, sold out straight away too. It's been postponed till December um, because of the flu that's going around. So um, yeah, I, I had a reasonable day. I ended up third in the open class. A uh, couple of stupid mistakes. One stage I um, didn't load my spare mags, um, so I ran out of ammo and had no more ammo left, which really really cost me. Um, which is a shame um, but still good overall top three was only separated by seven points um, so yeah I'm, I'm reasonably happy with that um, I would have liked to have won it if I didn't make mistakes but then again the other competitors second and third they would have made mistakes too um, so that's just how it is but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one that's for sure um, the little Tika T1X ran great I had the I changed the scope out to the um, Athlon Midas tack Yep. 5 to 25 yep. first focal plane mill um, so excellent um, that first focal plane is um, incredibly versatile for that kind of shooting um, and yeah I ran the tripod too because the open class allowed the use of um, extra aids now it's all flooding back to me <laughs> the pillow Graham the turned up with a giant <laughs> tripod yeah. almost like something from World of the Worlds <laughs> and a bean bag sized bag attached to him so um, obviously, Simon's eyebrow was firmly raised when he saw that set up. <laughs> well, to be honest, <clears throat> the the big bean bag, the big pump pillow thing, was more. It was handier than the tripod because tripod takes time to deploy, attach whatever. But that bean bag, you could just press it into all sorts of weird. Yeah, humorous looking setup aside, it actually everyone who used it thought this is actually really good because yeah. you're immediately you've got the sponginess and size to, to, to suit most of those stages in mm. terms of getting in a better position and, and solid shooting yeah. so yeah I, I'm now I'm not going to use it um, so next time I'll shoot in the practical class which is limited gear um, so it was more of an experiment because I could <laughs> but it was fun but god I looked like a twat didn't I <laughs> Twat, I think. Twat. Going, now, the Auckland you can't boys. can't say that anymore. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, twat. Oh, oh. anyway. Bleep that out. Not. Um, yeah, the yeah, Auckland boys. The editing department it. will sort that out. They absolutely loved the pillow. You know what they like. 
<laughs> like anything given as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good event. Um, heaps of cool dudes there. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to the next one. No, and, and happy with the rig. I'll keep the rig the same. Good to look at some some of the setups there. There was obviously a, I saw quite a cheap Sarko quad with a Schmidt and Bender PM2 scope on top of it. <laughs> so <clears throat> that probably would have been ten thousand dollars. Flinging rounds down, but yeah. uh, also got to have a look at the Strike Eagle five to twenty five. A couple of people had those, yes, yep. which have because ours still aren't here. I was talking to them yesterday; still not here. Ah, yeah. yes, they're coming. They're coming. We got plenty of other offers. But now they look good, uh, glass wise and everything, and um, probably quite good, good meaty sized dials and everything. Actually, so. an exceptional, exceptional option for twenty two for yeah. precision twenty two. Yeah, and speaking of Sarko quads. If you want one, there's one at Magnum Sports in Stratford for 1900 I think it might be 1850 I saw that. It's still there. No one's bought it. I don't know why. I only reason I haven't bought it is because I'm trying to do a few other things and I've already got my Tika. That is an exceptional buy. If you want a Sarko quad, ring up Dave at Magnum Sports in Stratford if it's still there when you listen to this. Um, and it's there for an exceptional price. That's incredible money for a Sarko quad. Because in terms of competition 22s, you're pretty much wouldn't really go past them would you to a degree if, if I hadn't have already bought my T-card T1 yeah I would buy that Sarko Quad yeah um, so what are people doing to the T1s they're buying are they pretty much just swapping out for the beauty is you can put all most of the normal um, Tika T3 accessories on them oh you can too but the but the rails don't fit so your 20 MOI rail oh yeah they, people say oh it's exactly the same it's not so you have to buy a T1X rail but yep. no big deal yeah um, the chassis now coming inletted for both the T3 and the T1X. My one was not, so I manually inletted it in a mill. Nothing major. Um, yeah, so that's the beauty. And they're relatively, they're 1100 bucks, I think. Uh, the mags are cheap. Uh, they're, they're shaped like a male genitals, if you look at them closely, but they work well. Albeit they're not particularly hardy. I did drop one and broke the end of it. I had to super glue it back together. So something to keep in mind when you're shooting on concrete. Um, but yeah, but I definitely... If I had the f- spare funds that were allocated to other builds, I would buy that Sarko quad and a heartbeat. Yeah. It's a nice looking piece of kit. And it looks, it looks some good in that, I haven't shot it, but you should buy it, mate. Uh, no. <laughs> you in trouble. I've got enough yeah. 22s to keep me occupied, so. <clears throat> but yeah, no, good event. Uh, a lot of fun. So, yeah, 5th of December is the next one, so hopefully. Mm. Sold those, out, but those, those are still. Well, should be some people pull out, so yeah. go on the waiting list, talk to Simon. Um, what else? Oh, yeah, I <clears throat> just felt the stage design was really good. Um, interesting, yeah, the class thing with the Hunter class sort of thing. So there's been a lot of debate about how to change the rules around some of those things, but mm. whether you go into a value thing or not, I don't know, people throw all sorts of ideas around. That's not a silly idea, a, a production class. Yeah, but because we, I mean that event sells out, but because our range facilities are small, like overseas they can host two hundred shooters, we can't. No. Um, so if you're two hundred shooters, you could have five classes, but yeah. it's not practical for us. Um, I think overall the general concept of is a longer course and a shorter course, so an open and a other yeah. is fine. And if you get too more technical than that, you start to to shut people out of. Um, where they're going to compete 
So well, you don't want to have to compete in the open class no. if you're brand new to it, just because you've got a nice yeah. dialing optic. Because two hundred for a lot of people, two hundred meters with a twenty-two is a long way. But as we've basically alluded to, the stage design itself allows you to eliminate some of the I don't know advantages yeah. people have with their gear setup. So you know, saying you can't use this and can't use that. Yeah. No tripods, bipod, you know, all those sort of things actually level the playing field. Yeah. So you can do it with stage design, mm. not just an overall rule on, you know. What and that's where Simon's his uh, experience in the field is um, yeah. excellent. He's very good at that. Yeah. Um, anyway, no, speaking of competition setups, yes, I am nearly um, getting. I'm getting there from getting my new six millimeter. Creedmoor off the ground and starting to shoot um, to replace my 6.5 Creedmoor I've previously used for a competition setup. Um, so for those that are new to the world of so the 6mm Creedmoor is slightly shorter in terms of case capacity that sort of thing? Uh, I couldn't tell you I do not know. Do not know. I just know it takes a 6mm and 6.5 <laughs> No I think it is because I, I made some I, brass I cannot I believe try. you cannot answer this basic <laughs> question <girl. clears throat> Um Yeah so I bought a uh, Hal 1500 barreled action Yep. Um, Jeff from the gun rack got me that way back in January um, and it should have just been sitting around um, but I'm finally getting my ass in the gear to try and get it ready for the upcoming um, events towards the end of the year um, I've got a MDT um, ACC chassis coming in the mail, so an advanced competition chassis, I think it's called. That's the one that you can sort of. Um, so what's the the difference is there is you can. It's got attachment points for weights and things. And yes, you can attach some some incredible amount of steel weights to it. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do weight wise. I'll, I don't know. I might put some on. Might not. We'll see. Have your own rifle-based lead sled. <laughs> well, the thing is, I'm still going to be able to shoot it standing. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I've started low development with a 108 grain Hornaday LD match. Um, most of you know I shoot a lot of Hornaday projectiles. Uh, well, they work for me. I was going to try the Nozzle RDFs, but there doesn't appear to be any in the country. Uh-huh. Um, but. Mm, oh, we'll see. I'll talk to the importer. So, what um, are what are the grain ranges for those uh, low? Look, pe- people like to shoot sort of 100 gram plus. So, yeah, 105s, 108s, 115s. Yeah. So the the six millimeters, these these modern six millimeters, have become with a faster twist barrel. So you could get a 243 and put a fast twist barrel on and get similar results. Yeah. But if you go and buy a 243 from from your local sporting shop, it'll generally have two slower twists to spin up the like the 108s or the 115s. So yeah, I've gone with the 108, um, um, and I've got some Starline brass, and the idea is to maybe, I'm hoping for around 3,100 feet per second with a 26 inch barrel, um, but we'll see how I get on there. Uh, scope, I still don't know. I'm currently in the market, I've been looking at a few things. I'm, I'm liking the idea of a Carlos or um, I was talking to the boys at Target Dynamics and they're shooting a lot of the Steiners at the moment So, but I know I'm not, I don't know anything about them so I'm going to sort of do a bit of research and see what I can learn about them because they're in my price range um, so I'm, I'm looking, yeah one of those two You had moment. a fascination with Athlon for a while didn't you? I, l- I the, like Athlon, Cronus. Athlon Cronus that's the, a good option That's about three and a bit I Yeah, think they're actually exceptional Yeah, exceptional scopes um, Stuart was really reasonably happy with them me too. But, Yeah awesome um yeah and they're japanese made um 
but I also want to use it as a way to try something different I haven't used as well if that makes sense true being that I review and play with stuff you just don't want to be a fanboy for one brand no no I like to mix it up apart from MDT I, I buy all MDT <laughs> I didn't know that, I didn't know there was anyone else MDT and Howler <laughs> um yeah, so that's this is the idea. Moving to the six mil reason being, uh, well, first of all, I want to try it, um, but lower recoil. Um, uh, you know, spot my shots a bit easier, um, and 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 the, the Bagaris sort of slowly becoming more of an extreme long range setup, and I'll probably just leave it set that way, so I'm not having to swap between scopes and different ammo types and the like. So yeah, because um, that's performing well. Because I see the Hornady A tips for the six millimeters, one hundred and ten grain. So, and they have an exceptional ballistic coefficient. Yeah, it's, but if if I can achieve sub MOA, say like I'm aiming for say half a minute of angle accuracy in good conditions off the prone, I can do that with an ELD, and, and I'm only going to be shooting to the maximum of say a thousand meters in competition. So I don't. The advantage of the A tip for me isn't worth the cost the extra cost of the sort of um, superior projectile when I believe I'll get the acceptable results from the 108 but time will tell um, but yeah 160 odd dollars for 100 is just a bit much whereas I can get the, the ELDs for sort of 80 dollars for 100 yeah I'm just looking it's about 180 bucks for 100 yeah and it's not so as if the ELDs are working a, a tips yeah, yeah and that's so I'm using the A tips in the Creedmoor for my thousand uh, 1600 plus meters the 135 gram ones yep yep exceptional bc yeah and going down just that little bit in weight brings up that velocity um see so you've got that good trade-off between velocity and bc but with the competition side of things i think the ld for the for the moment being is, is fine um i think the extra dollar a shot you're not going to see in the field no not because we're not laying down all the time no yeah, so it's, yeah, ex- exactly. So you understand where I'm coming from because people have asked me, "Why aren't you running the ATIP? Why aren't you running the ATIP?" First thing, I'm not sponsored, so I have to pay for all this stuff. Hint. <laughs> um, you know, so it's it's cost. You know, and, and I so, thought you were sponsored by Fonterra. <laughs> my wife is. Oh. Um, the, so the season sort of Tarad is November. There is a shoot in water water potentially end of October, but I want to be sort of 300 rounds through the rifle before then. True, and that's my other point. Is probably starting on a more high volume, affordable projectile is a good idea anyway, because you, you're going to be getting yeah. things sorted out. So affordable, but also high quality. Yeah, I'm not saying it's low quality. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's the idea behind that. And hey, I might not like six mil. I might not get the results I wanted. Initial low development is looking excellent, um, but again, that's 100 meters. But we'll see. Um, I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try put together quite a nice package here. Um, and use it for the next few years. I might swap barrels out or something, but the chassis, scope, and all that. I'm just getting a bit of coin, so I'm hoping to. I'm not hoping to improve my results. I'm just something that I can, yeah, just set into and leave it the same without pressing into multiple rolls like the Creedmoor currently, the six five Creedmoor currently has. No, it's sort of where I'm going to. In a, if I end up design, building a competition gun, it'll probably be something six millimeter. The main thing I need is mag capacity, reliability, and all that sort of stuff sorted out. Mm. I was going to use the Valkyrie, but I don't think I can because I just really can't Not shoot enough enough. rounds reliably enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you put it in a new chassis with MDT mags, it'd be yeah. excellent. Yeah. But then that's, oh, it's $2,000. But if I'm doing a short action or mini action type 
something like a six millimeter arc or whatever. Yeah. Um, then I'd expect to be using ten round polymer mags or something. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that trend and New Zealand that's starting to catch on. We are always at the bottom of the world. We're so far behind the trends with moving from three out to six oh creed more, and now creed six oh creed more to six millimeter or six mil XC or whatever. Uh, it's sort of the six mil is just coming in now. And modern six mil, I should say. I know two four three has been around for a long time. Calm down, you boomers. It's not what we're talking about, right? <laughs> it's about modern, modern um, fast twist six mils. And I mean, Jeremy Milchamp, he runs. Um, fast twist two four three, it's excellent. Yeah, but that's a custom, you know, it's a custom barrel and everything. This year, no, you're not going to buy uh, an ELDM factory round that's going to be usable. No, in two four three a. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's 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 just modern stuff, and you have to be reloading all yourself, yeah. which is fine. Maybe. And, and and moving away from, I'm I'm not a fan of recoil. I don't like recoil. So if I can have something that'll give me similar performance. At distance on steel, I'm not talking hunting here, and have less recall. You know, so I'm, it's not. I can recover from the shot faster. I can potentially spot my miss, albeit the offside is you've got a smaller bullet impacting the ground, so potentially less splash. Yes, and harder to see impacts on steel. But we've got uh, hidden indicators for that now. Yeah, but yeah, um, it's the trend, and we set the states definitely. But it's, I imagine this next coming sort of round of competitions will. It'll start to move in more and more and more, definitely, as people, um, <clears throat> as companies offer factory op- options in these modern six millimeters. Um, and it is even uh, my local even has a bit of six mil cream on the shelf. Yeah, you know, so when it's starting to appear on the shelf, not just special order, um, it's starting to become like you look at six five cream one now. You can I can go to Magnum Sports in Stratford, and there's 10, 20 different brands, as in types of. Uh, 6.5 cream more available so whether 6 mil goes the same who knows because um, it can't be pressed <coughs> as well I don't think into a hunting role um, not saying it can't but, but yeah it's, it's interesting and I'm looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to um, spending all this money and putting together a new setup and uh, starting to get some time behind it so then what what does that mean for things like the 6.5 PRC was it- uh, well Pete I don't think you'll see PRC taking off as a competition cartridge in, no. in the practical field shooting or PRS style. I'm doing PRS in air quotes here because we don't actually have it in New Zealand. Um, mag capacity, recoil, right about. Now, Ian. Yeah, it's from, a fat round, isn't it? So, actually, yes. most, most standard things don't fit many rounds in So, you, probably, you might get seven or something. So, Ian from Hardy Rifles, his, he's been running on for a few years now. Yeah. And he shoots very well but we yeah. know that yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but he's not your everyday shooter either so no. as a multi hunting and precision rifle very good option because it's like a magnum 6.5 isn't it correct um, but as for everyday base competition I'd be running something based off 308 yeah just for that um, less recoil more ma- more rounds in the mag uh, less barrel wear because again you're only smacking the steel target you're not trying to put a hole through it righto so where will 300 PRC end up then because uh, I've actually suddenly seen finally oh well yeah, this, I think you can get Browning Hell's Canyon long mm-hmm. ranges in it um, the Ruger Precision Rifle yep. I think the Howard 1500 is available mm-hmm. in it so all of a sudden there's but still only Hornady 
what, two different factory loads. It's yeah. not a, it's not an it's still a very young cut. Oh god, too. yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. So it's actually catching on faster than the Creedmoor did originally, the six five Creedmoor. So you'll see a lot more of it. Everyone at the starts like, oh blah blah blah, you can get a three hundred windmag, ready, ready, ready. But I think it'll be, I think it'll be successful. People are talking about it. People like it. Yeah, um, I've got one coming on the way. The three hundred PRC. We'll talk about that more in the next few months later when on. it arrives. Yep. Um, for some hopefully two thousand metre sort of shooting. That's the idea behind that. But for me, the, the three hundred PRC anyway will be a long range gun, as in not competition in the normal sense. Maybe if there's a a competition where you're specifically trying to hit steel a long way away rather than a practical style comp, I'll use it for that kind of thing. Or it'll just be to make the videos for the internet and maybe a bit of hunting. But we were hunting from four wheelers because this thing's going to weigh <laughs> a heap, you know, big barrel, long barrel, big scope, yeah. HS precision stock, righty right. So um, you won't be buying an ultralight mountain rifle on 300 PRC then? No, no. Um, we haven't really got mountains here in Taranaki. True. It's good <laughs> to go hills. But yeah, it's, there will be guys who run it in competitions. Yeah. Um, the last, the winter shoot we, we did that you hosted, um, Couple of guys running three hundred windmax. Um, yeah, they didn't do. They, they weren't the best for the type of shooting we were doing that day, because um, a lot of them were like having to three round mags or single load and stuff like that. But um, I think there's more and more guys building setups specifically for competitions now too. So they've got their setup for practical field Perry style shooting, whatever it may be, and then they've got something else for hunting. Um, or they're doing a, a specific crossover in a caliber like 6.5 or 3.08. They can be pressed into both roles. But I used to shoot 300 wind mag a lot, thinking for competition use, but I, I soon went away from that to your more, um, your lower recoil cartridges. So are we going to see a split then into more of a longer range competition, or, you know, long, longer range events for, with large calibers? I mean, uh, it's almost like they're people are basically gravitating towards these high BC smaller calibers a wee bit yeah and so you've got more uh, two parts to it mm. people are, we've got modern powders modern case designs modern barrels scopes so these these mid-length cartridges short acting cartridges the thousand metre and in performance is adequate for shooting yeah. steel yeah um, now when you start pushing out further like the South Island great example we we do things so differently in the competition scene from the South Island. Um, they shoot a lot of targets. They'll have a comp at a 12 and a 13 and a 14. Um, now, we, we did that, and we didn't have bugger all guys want to compete in that class. People were intimidated by it, I think. Um, so for us, it's sort of that 700 metre and in or 1,000 metre and in stuff. And so where that could change is you and I have talked about it is at the next RT Long Range Challenge potentially hold, holding a separate side comp on the Friday afternoon Friday evening where we shoot have a shoot off at a K and maybe even a mile and you can bring so you're coming down to compete come down early stay the night at the, or in a hotel but you come out that evening you don't have to use the firearm that you're going to compete with in the field shoot the next no. day so you can shoot a freaking Shaytac or yeah. Lapua or whatever at the thousand and the twelve and the twelve mile or whatever we decide to do, um, and you'll we'll come up with some rules. You know, so many shots, and you also have a time limit. Um, so there might be those side events for these bigger guns. 
Well, I think that's the thing. It, it provides an avenue to get people comfortable shooting at their longer distance and mm. give them the chance to do it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people really just can't find the space to do it regularly, basically. So. Yeah, and I mean, the berm you cut for the mile makes life. Yeah. It, it's, it makes it easy. I shouldn't say easy, but it is. It's so much easier. When it was grass, we couldn't see anything. No. Nothing. But now that it's, um, it's clay, and especially in the same like Feb, it's yeah. going to be dust. And we've measured up now for a 2.2k yes. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. site. Ooh. So <laughs> from the top of the hill across to the back of the farm. So yeah. that should, from looking at what I've looked at on satellite imagery and that, and looking at what I can see, I think we can create a pretty big backstop yeah, yeah. at 2k. So That's going to be very, very cool. But yeah, so there, there's potential. Now, we haven't actually talked about this, Simon, but there is potential. Well, I don't see why they should look. For that to happen, the only thing is we'd have to pull finger when it comes to getting set up. Yeah. So I might even take the Thursday off work also. Yeah. And get a massive amount of that done on a Thursday. And then so Friday, we're not rushed. Um, Simon's good. He makes these big maps of target layouts and stuff. So I'll be able to come up and do that. Yeah. But again, this is just um, penciled in. It's definitely not written down in Vivid yet. But might happen. It'll be pretty fun. And we I, might even do the prior weekend set up and leave it set up. Yeah, so. yeah that's a good idea. Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, and have, a, have a practice land, get some advantage <laughs> yeah. I mean no, sorry, yeah. um, and, and this might not even be say if there's space or room on the Friday afternoon for the competitors who weren't able to get a spot for the competition who are, who maybe aren't that particularly interested in field shooting may be able to come along and compete in it too because you're not going to have a lot of time like I'm going to give you say say you've got five shots in a mile Yeah, you're going to get like two minutes or three minutes I'm not going to give you ten minutes so you're still going to have, and then the next shoot will be get set up next to them or just down or whatever, um, down the line. So the idea is to keep it moving. So we should be able to get through Yeah, plenty of shooters. Um, All ideas are welcome, so if you're listening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's an interesting um, And there'll be, there will be a trophy, all going well, for this. And we'll, but we'll probably do a non-Magnum and a Magnum class. Yeah. So, you know, obviously a, a 375 Shade is going to have a, big advantage over a 6mm but if you want to try hit it with a 6mm mile which can be done you're going to be allowed to try at least and um, maybe we'll talk to a few companies and they can send us some spotting scopes so we can watch the bloody thing um, but yeah we'll see we might be able to get a couple of sponsors or something and there'll be a trophy and, um, it, it, but it will be an extra entry fee so you'll pay your entry fee for the main competition and this will be a side thing that you, you pay like 10 or 20 dollars or whatever to compete in and yeah can we get some sort of shot cam set up <clears throat> uh, potentially we could probably get it's shot. a long way though so yeah I'm, I know CRK do them I think Stuart Tiley might even have one um, they do signal over a mile but again so you we may even allow it so say me and you enter as a team so we have a spotter yeah, and a shooter, so it may it may work like that. So you can have a dedicated spotter. We may we may provide the scope, the spotting scope, may not, or you can. And so they can, I think that's a good idea actually. So they call the correction. So therefore, you'd you'd actually submit your. We wouldn't choose the group either. Basically, you you come along with who's yeah, and you could do it. So you shot my spot, and then yeah. and then as the next team could be um, the the roles just reversed. So you could. 
you know. Um, yeah, there's nothing worse than being in a team with a half-blind spotter. So. Yeah, or, or, or me giving you a bad call. <laughs> as, as, say, Deliberately I'm, to undermine it as usual, yes. <laughs> but, you know, if I'm spotting for you and I give you a dumb wind call uh, or a dumb correction yeah. or something, but if you if you shoot with someone on the regular, they can give you a um, something you understand or, or, or talk the same language, communicate well together. Yeah. Now, we will also be able to, I imagine, if you come on your own, we will be able to spot for you or we'll sort something out. Um, yeah. But then you've just got to live with the correction you get given. Be it you get the correction in mills and you're shooting them away or you get the correction in targets or, or you head over there by that dirt lump. That's just going to be your luck. But that's something we've been talking a bit about in the last few months. And I think it'll be fun too. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, like you and I, are going to have a big advantage because we've already got all our dope down pat for those targets. Correct. Um, but I imagine we'll just be watching. So People moan when you compete in your own competitions for some reason. But all that aside, I think um, there's obviously a lot more interest in shooting longer range, longer long range. Yeah. Stuff. So, and a mile's a long way. To get the opportunity to do it. Yeah. And it will only be the 24-inch target too at a mile. It will not be a big sheet of steel. Of, yeah. Um, so it's going to be that 24 inches... Um, so it's, it's slightly bigger than MOA. It's, it's two MOA, isn't it? No, it's not. It's not. But anyway, it's yeah. Um, and then the, if we do say a thousand or whatever it ends up being, that'll be that won't be very big. That'll be. We have a range of targets there, wouldn't you? I don't know. We'll have to figure it out. Yeah. But I mean, a thousand. You should. If it's a shootout, you really want quite a small target. A thousand. A thousand. Do blindfold. Piece of cake. <laughs> but it might say be a. 250 mil square or a yeah. circle or something yeah it won't be an easy shot um you remember that original thousand meter position you did yeah we might even resurrect that one maybe because you can shoot it from kind of the same position ah yes i know what you mean we'll just yeah. weed kill it anyway um, the, we, now we can redig it because it was this needs a bit of um your little diggers over there actually it is yeah yeah anyway but yeah so that, that's coming up in the new year at least we're all dead from covid um so yeah, it's looking good. Tarada's going to be in November. How Tapu, I imagine, is going to be start of January, end of January. Just um, judging by when he's scheduled the 22 match for um, RTD Long Range Challenge, end of Feb. Uh, the Vortex Mountain Challenge is March. We might try slip the winter field shoot back in after that, maybe, when we did this year. And then you've got a whole series of cool events. And, it, and then four North Island events, too. Yeah. Um, so it's and a, and a kind of a pattern um, that's going to be awesome unfortunately I can only compete in half of them um, so that's just life but but I'll definitely I'm definitely looking forward to it are you, now are you going to compete at Tarata mate in the open class or Hunter yes Hunter yes one of the two you should take your Tate one we should do some practice too I really should roll that out I'm shooting pretty good with it at the moment so yeah, we can, Yeah, I've got a few ideas on some practice we can do. But it's like I've probably got to redo. Yeah, it'll be worth redoing. Yeah, because you've got a night force on that. A twelve to forty-two power. Twelve to forty-two. Mm. You should. You should swap the NX8. Which I picked up off trade me. So. You should put the NX8 on that and put the twelve forty-two on the three three no no because it's set up and you like it the way it is um I finally I've adjusted that because I put some Burris XTR rings which have got the adjustable on the T1 on the TK1 yeah because that I think it's a Bentry scope the Night Force one the 12 to 42 
So it's only got a standard cross here. Yeah. So that's a... Does it not have a reticle? Like a, a tree, reticle? no. Oh. No. So... You should <clears> swap that on the Taco one then. But it's a very accurate gun, so I can just dial it and I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what I've got it now, chain, yeah, it's about 25 MOA angle. Because mm. it's a flat... The, the, yeah. the Taco ones already yeah, came with a zero... Worse than they ever did, but anyway, yeah. A zero MOA base. So I think now I've got dialing up to 1,200... Oh, that's young T, anyway. Oh, um, that's scope. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I'd probably yeah. get more use out of the NX-8. But then again, measuring those long-range shots is critical. Yeah. So, Oh, you're between a rock and a hard place. Well, no, here you go. Here you go. What about the, what about the ATAC-R? Put the ATAC-R on the TAC-A1. And, and we'll put a lightweight scope on the 260. No. <laughs> it's only a 4 to 16. Even Sarko New Zealand wants us to film some hunting videos with it. They commented on the post about it. Did they? Yeah. Oh, with the uh, 260? Yeah, with yep. a giant air scope on it. Yes, yes. Well, we shall... Endeavour to do this summer. Endeavour to do that for them. <laughs> you know, I think we're at about an hour. I think we've run out of things to say. <laughs> yeah. We'll try and maybe make these a little bit more regular as we get a little bit more time. We will, Graham. We will. We maybe will. one or two a month. Maybe more. Simon Gillis is going to come on one. He reluctantly agreed to be a, a uh, guest on our podcast. Well, so the plan is... only reason we talk positively about him, Graham, is to make sure he comes on the show. <laughs> so I think the plan is we're going to do an afternoon of shooting um, with Simon. He's going to go over a bunch of fundamentals with, with myself and Mark, which, and we've both got a lot of problems with that. So work through a bunch of things. <laughs> Speak <laughs> and, for yourself. <laughs> I speak for myself, sorry. Mark, you're perfect. I've got the Lasith Malinga of shooting actions. Maybe you could <clears throat> critique Simon. True. But anyway, and then we're going to bring Simon on the, the podcast and we've even had to buy another microphone. I'm a big believer in let people shoot their natural style. <laughs> let people miss the way they want to miss. Yes. Um, but And he's going to talk over a bunch of the things. I mean, what he's seen with us, what we can work on, but also what he sees um, with everybody else. Because he's... Unfortunately, Simon, organising the majority of the events, doesn't get to shoot a lot of them. Yeah. Albeit he is one of the top shooters. Um, so anyway, but, so he gets to watch a lot, and he's his, his father is also an incredibly good shooter. So we're going to talk about a bit of fundamentals, about um, maybe how he got into running comps, yep. what he, um, how he learned to shoot rally route, all that good stuff. And it should be fun. We'll just, that'll probably come in the next few months when we get a bit of time. And yeah. All right, that's uh, that's, All right. that's about all. Well, thank, thank you for much. listening to another episode of the Precision Unloaded podcast. Like us on Facebook, share. Yes, us. I'm going to try sort of giveaway for a Facebook page. Improve on our quest to become valuable to Spotify. Yeah, we're, we're Joe Rogan 2.0. Um, yeah, like the page, share, it, and yeah, I'm going to do a giveaway on there. So, all right, anyway, hooroo, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Over and out.